0: I want to remind you of some key verses that we picked up on, Uh, Revelation 1, one that we kind of camped out on, so if you're looking at the book of Revelation, get to Revelation 1, one that we kind of camped out on, one that we kind of claimed for uh, that chapter was there in verse 18, I am the living one, I was dead and behold I am alive forever and ever and I hold the keys of death and Hades, Amen. Hallelujah about that. And then if you get to Revelation, there we go. Come on, don't be shy. Don't be shy. He still holds them. He still holds them. All right. He still holds them. All right. And then Revelation 2, last week where we were, as we looked at the church at Ephesus, we looked at how we reignite our passion. And we were looking at kind of verse 4 and verse 5. It says, remember the height from which you have fallen, repent and do the things you did first. Remember the things you did first. And so we reignited that passion. We wrote letters to ourselves that we're going to send to you later so that you can be reminded of the passion that you have for God, that he has placed in your heart and really storied through your life. And he's going to continue to do so, which is really exciting. He's not done with you. This isn't the pinnacle. This isn't it. He's got a lot more to do, and he's chosen you, Pikachu. All right? That's exciting. Turn to your neighbor and say, he chose you. He loves you. All right. And I don't know about you, but he's still working on you, right? Amen. Don't tell your neighbor that. They might find offense at that. But it's it's good for us. So tonight, we're looking at something that I think all of us definitely have a question about. Something that we all kind of want to know. What is the secret? We're talking tonight about Revelation chapter 2, the church at Smyrna. This is the suffering church. This is one of the churches that there is no condemnation. There's no, hey, you're not doing this right. And so this church, just a few simple verses, has a lot to teach us this evening. Has a lot for us to kind of digest. All right? And so... The thing that you pick up on that Smyrna is trying to communicate, that John is trying to communicate to us, is this is a suffering church. It's about 10 miles from Ephesus, so you had the church that lost its passion or lost its first love, and 10 miles beyond that is the church at Smyrna, and they are a church that is experiencing an extreme amount of suffering. And we're going to look at that tonight. And I know you'd say, Casey, I, I feel like I'm kind of detached from that, that century of church. I kind of feel like that I'm apart from that because I, I'm not really suffering. How, how do I identify with that? How do I, how do I get to where John is at? Or well, what if I told you this? That you're suffering, we are suffering, beyond what we would even comprehend. Our nation... The most advanced nation in the world has probably the most riches of any nation in the world. We're suffering. You say, I don't, I don't feel like what you're talking about. We're being persecuted. Like, I, don't, I don't know if we are. I mean, I feel like I go to class and I'm not really suffering. I'm not really being persecuted. Oh, but it's a greater battle than what you would ever imagine. We're the number one medicated country in the world. Number one. About 130 million Americans swallow, inject, inhale, infuse, spray, or, pa- or, or patch or prescribe medications every month. That's the uh, US Center for Disease. Most medicated country in the world. So there are people that are suffering. Physical ailments, mental ailments, social anxieties. We're the number one country. We're the the smartest, most advanced country. We have a lot of technology, but we're the number one medicated country in the world. Also, how about this? We also have some of the highest suicide rates amongst developed countries. And since uh, 2006, We've been on the rise. In fact, you know, the number one age group to commit suicide in our country, you know, who that person might be? It's your dad, 34 to 54 number 1 age group to commit suicide that's probably where most of your dads fall definitely not on the 34 side but probably closer to the 54 side you know what i'm saying cuz i'm 43 and i have a daughter who's 18 so i'm just put projecting right there you know what i'm saying so it's not that people are killing us because of our faith in christ it is that we are killing ourselves and if you look at some of the greatest empires throughout history most of them never died from the outside they died from the inside and so you and i sitting in this room you say well i i i i don't feel persecuted i don't feel like i'm suffering but you but you are We're killing ourselves. We're persecuting ourselves. Did Jesus know anything about suffering? Think about that for a moment. Did Jesus know anything about suffering? Well, his people surely did. You had the Egyptians and the Hebrew people. There was definitely suffering there. We've all seen maybe the Ten Commandments movie at grandma's house or the Prince of Egypt. Yeah, kind of get that. The plagues of Moses, we get that. And then you had the Babylonians, and constantly the Hebrew people are being persecuted. And so, Jesus, when he was born, he was even persecuted. They had to flee upon his birth. During his life, his people were being persecuted, and then ultimately at his death, he was definitely persecuted. He definitely suffered, right? Bled and died. If you want to get a real accurate description of it, you can look at Isaiah 53. Let me read that for you just real quick, just a few sentences from there. We'll start Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he took upon our infirmities and our cares and our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we were healed. Verse 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, by oppression and judgment he was taken away. Verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked, with which the rich, and with the rich in his death. Verse 10, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, we see this offering and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11, and after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of, fi- of life and be satisfied. So Jesus knew suffering. And so if there is a secret to suffering, do you think that Jesus Christ would able, be able to relay that to John? Well, that's what happens in this short, very short little letter to Smyrna. Were the people at Smyrna suffering? Ten miles away. From Ephesus, yeah, they were suffering. He actually points to it in the verses that we're going to read tonight. And he gives you kind of four things that he can identify that they're suffering through. We'll get there in just a second. But let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. All right? Lord God, we ask that tonight you open our hearts and minds to your will and way, Lord, that we would hear from you, Lord, that we would know you. And that you would, Lord, help us see suffering as something radically different. In Jesus' name, amen. Follow along with me, read with me if you will, the 8th verse of chapter 2 of Revelation. Verse 8, to the angel of the church at Smyrna write, These are the words to him who is first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to the test and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Praise God for the reading of His Word. We claim that blessing of revelation. If you look at verse 8, it is clear to us that he knows suffering, that Christ knows suffering. He says to us, these are the words of him who is the first and the last. From the beginning, he has known suffering. We know that from the history of the Hebrew people. We know that about Christ's life. He has known suffering and so he is an authority on it. Also, until the end, he will know Uh, suffering for all time. And so it's not that he has just known it, that he knows it and he will forever know it. And so he has the authority to speak on suffering. And so there's nothing that you and I can go through, nothing that man can create, nothing that we can speculate. No suffering will ever be greater than what Christ has known, is knowing, and will know. He is the authority on suffering. And so he has a secret to tell us about suffering. He has something to share with us that can really help us out. The secret to suffering, probably want to write this down. The secret to suffering is seeing through the suffering and trusting his supremacy. If you look at the text, it says, These are the words of him who is the first and the last. The one who died and came to life again. And so he has been there, done that, and got all the t-shirts to prove it. He is the one who lives forever. He died and came to life again. Colossians 1.18 says this, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy, that he might be first, that he might be the best, that he might be the one who knows. But beyond just knowing suffering, look at the text. He says in verse 9, I know your afflictions and your poverty Yet you are rich. I know your afflictions. And so he knows the afflictions. He knows the suffering of the people there in Smyrna. And he also knows your suffering and my suffering. And one of the things that we often believe about ourselves is that we're the only ones suffering. We're the only ones suffering from whatever it is. But God here is telling us in his word that he knows our suffering. It's a personal knowing. If he can personally know that church, then he personally knows the people in that church. Does that make sense? And so he knows your suffering. He knows it personally. He knows, and here are the four things that they suffer from he knows our affliction, our pressure. In Smyrna, they would have been under Roman rule and they would have been told that, especially under Domitian, that they would either worship uh, the, the, the Roman king, if you will, the Roman Caesar, or they would be put to death. And so there was immense pressure there. For them, So he knows our affliction. He knows the pressure that they were under. He knows the pressure that you and I are under. And so you say, well, Casey, I'm not being forced to worship anything. I'm not being told that I have to worship or I will die. But yet we are. We're told every day that there are things that we must do, that we must have, that we must be, or we will suffer. There are things we must worship. We must agree upon. Or we will suffer persecution. There is immense amount of pressure. We pressure ourselves. I have to be a straight A student. Where is that written? Yeah, my, 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 my dad wrote it down. And he said, if it don't happen, he's gonna take some from me. He might take that cell phone away from me that's distracting you from getting the A. I mean, who knew? Right? It's going to take my car? Well, you know what? You may have to get a ride. There's no telling. You may be under family pressure. You're the first one to go to college. We're relying on you. You need to get a good job so you can support us. Or this is often the case nowadays. You may be the second generation person to go to college. You're the second kind of person in your family. Maybe your dad went and now he has worked hard and your mom went to college. And they've worked hard to provide for you. And they're like, please go be a lawyer, go be a doctor so that you can make a lot of money. And you're in an immense amount of pressure because you know in in order to get in med school, in order to get to law school, in order to get to this professional level where you can make a lot of money, that you have to make really, really good grades. And the pressure's immense and it's intense. So there's pressure. He also says here, he says, I know your afflictions, I know your pressure, I know your poverty. You need to know that these people were dirt poor. They had no food because they could not buy and sell goods because they were Christian, because they followed Christ. And so they couldn't get jobs. We'll probably see this become more of a thing in the few days in the coming age that it'll be harder for us as followers of Christ because we have certain stance on different things. We believe certain things that the Bible says that it'll be hard for us to get jobs. People will not hire us because they'll say, well, you're a Christian, you have this set of beliefs, this set of values, and that's too stringent, that's too small, that's too myopic for us at this company. He also knows our persecution. He knows, if you look at here in the verse, it says, they were being slandered by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. These Jews were physical descendants of Abraham They use the strong term blasphemy here to indicate how evil, how wicked, how intense the slander was. They were reporting false allegations about the Christians. And if you've ever studied this book, you know that one of the false allegations, one of the false things that was very prominent for followers of Christ was that they were cannibals. Christians were thought to be cannibals because when they would take the Lord's Supper, they would say, this is the body and this is the blood. And so it was very widely thought that Christians were cannibals because they ingested blood and body. And we know from the text that that's a physical representation of the body and the blood of Christ. But from the outside looking in, it seems as though that they were persecuted for those things. And you say, well, I don't know. Why I would be persecuted, this goes back to the last point, they're persecuted for their beliefs and how they believe and what they did and how they lived their lives according to God's word. And you may feel that socially. You may feel that even emotionally. Socially, that may may play out that you say, you know what? I don't have premarital sex. I'm just not going to. Look at Tim Tebow and the amount of persecution that he's come under because of that stance. He's just one person. And he knows our prison time. If you look at there in the text, it says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to the test. And so they're already there. The prison time, the jail time. Now, I don't want to show off hands of who's been in prison because I know many of you would have to raise your hand. And I appreciate your honesty. You don't, I said you don't have to raise your hand. You don't, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. He knows our prison time, that there are many followers of Christ around the world that are in prison, but maybe here in the United States, here in Lincoln Parish, or in Simsboro. Y'all are a different parish, right? Aren't y'all in Bienville Parish? Y'all need to be. We need to get that switched. We don't want y'all no more. He knows our prison time, there are many followers of Christ around the world that are in jail for their faith. Right? Right? Here tonight, there may be not that threat. But let me ask you this. Would you be willing to go to prison for your faith? That's the point that this church was at. That they would go to prison for their faith. You mean, I, man, I don't, I don't want to go to prison for anything. Would you go to prison for Christ? For your faith in him? And so that gets us through the history. And now for a more clear understanding of the secret to the suffering. It is seeing it through a different perspective. He knows the secret of suffering. He's willing to share it. Verses 10 and 11 give us this clarity. Verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to the test and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. And here you go. The second part, be faithful. The first part, part, don't be afraid. So we are to be fearless and to be faithful. Real quick, there's a limit to the time in jail. Did you notice that? 10 days. There's a limit to the time that they will spend in jail. We'll suffer persecution for 10 days. You'll say, Casey, is this one of these hidden things about the book of Revelation? No, it's not hidden at all. 10 days is a normal sentence. And so these 10 days, he's telling us that there's a limit, that the people uh, will be there just for those 10 days, that there's no authority to keep them in there longer necessarily. And so there is a limit to what the devil can do to us, is there not? There's no real lasting effect. we will know there is life beyond the grave, so there's no lasting damage first corinthians fifteen fifty five through fifty seven where O death is your victory, where O death is your sting? the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and so we don't have anything to fear last we can be faithful. We are faithful until the very end. And if you look at verse 10, it says, Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful unto the end, and know that the reward is never ending. Verse 11 He who has near let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Not hurt at all by the second death. And so I was thinking about this text. I know you probably find this kind of awkward, but I was thinking about this text and I was telling Emma, I was I was thinking about this text, and it's kind of on my mind. And uh, I got have a guilty pleasure to admit to you this evening, I'm not proud of it, but yet I've not overcome it. I like mob things, I like like mob stories. I Andrew, don't judge me. I like good fellas. Godfather Sorry I have a strange addiction. I like mob movies. And I have another one that you're not going to be proud of, but I I have watched the Sopranos. No 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 judgment, Victoria, please. No judgment, please. And I'm I'm asking the Lord to help me through this, but they said something last night, and it kind of helped me with this whole idea of where we are in relation to this text. Because the church of Smyrna, they're suffering. And then I've talked to you about kind of how we suffer. But I'm thinking along these lines, and they mentioned the idea of a roller coaster and fear. And I don't know about you, but I actually really enjoy roller coasters. And my wife absolutely loves roller coasters. Uh, the last time that we went to Six Flags, we went to the one in Houston and they had the Superman ride there. And Stacy rode it five times back to back to back to back to back. And I'm like, the third time I'm like, <laughs> and she's like, again. And she, I, like she, we had the passes where you didn't have to get off the ride. And she's like, Every time she's just staying and then she moved to the front and then she's like, she got to the front car where you're the first one going down the, over the hill and she's like, not moving. And she just stayed there. And I was like, yeah, I'm always done after three. Like five times she rides this thing because she loves roller coasters. Roller coasters is a lot about where this church is at. And you may say, well, my life kind of feels like a roller coaster in that it goes up and it's super scary when you're going up, you know. Have you ever thought about that? You're just like, you know, especially if it's one of the older wooden ones like the Texas Giant, you know. I mean, people have died on that thing. I'm not kidding. People have actually died on the Texas Giant because it's so violent. And so it's like, especially the old ones, you know, the old ones like click, 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 click. And like every click, you're like, stop the clicking. Could we, could we just go up quietly with no expectations of what peril is coming? And you know, you, if you've ever been in the front car, you're, you're like, you can kind of see and you're kind of cool with it because you can see what's coming. But like if you're in the middle, you're like, this sucks because you can see the people up there and you're like, why did I get on? You ever start second-guessing yourself? You're like, why was that? I waited two and a half hours for pain and sorrow and death and anguish. And my heart is beating out of my chest. Oh, the Titan that that was over and down. Like, they they shut that thing down because people are walking down the stairs. When they showed, like, a helicopter and, like, we may have to rescue people with the helicopter. I'm like, I'm done When you have to bring in a helicopter, the ride should not be that tall. You know, when it's got flashing lights and the birds are going around it, you're like, I don't feel like this is where we should be. (laughs) But here it is, guys. Here it is for us tonight. We can expect death. It's coming. I know at this age you're like, well, bruh. I'm 18, I'm bulletproof, I'm good looking. Death is like the furthest, like maybe death through class or through boredom or you know maybe from drinking one too many Red Bulls. But I mean, it's, death is not very imminent for me. And so for me to even talk to you about death is so far detached from your brain that it's hard to relay this. But know that, guess what? The struggle is real and you're clicking up the track and there is an expectation that death will come. You're gonna go down the other side And you may go way, way down. Way, way down. Because the struggle, yeah, you're right, it's real. And the struggle that you have in class, in relationships, in family, when compared to the death and sting of separation from God for all time, there is no comparison. Your pain is real. And the expectation of a physical death is real. But for the follower of Christ, it is very clear here for us tonight. It says, do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to the test and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. There will be a limit. Be faithful even to the point of death. And so you are going to go up and there's gonna be a lot of clicking. There's a lot of expectations and then you're going to take this nosedive and it may be the nosedive that ends your life but you need to know that for the fall of Christ there is much more track available and you're gonna make that sweet turn into home station and Christ will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. The crown of life is yours. If you've ever ridden a roller coaster, you know that to be true. That the clicking is scary. Even if you're an adrenaline junkie and you're like, yeah! People do that upon the peril of death. They jump off bridges with bungee cords that snap. They do crazy things. We are to expect death as followers of Christ, it's going to happen. You say, well, I'm 18. It may happen later. Who knows? And it may go down quick or it may go down slow. And there may be a lot of twists and turns. And you may have another climb and another down and another in and another out and a loop-de-loop where you're like, and you're like, you know, head falls over. "Ah, I can't breathe and stuff like that. But eventually, you know what? The turn's going to happen and you're going to come into home station and it's all going to be over. And either he's going to say, Well done, my good and faithful servant, here's the crown of life, or he'll say, Depart from me, for I never knew you. But for the follow of Christ, it is that sweet reward that we all long for. And so there is an expectation of death, but there is no fear. There is an expectation of death, but there is no fear. The suffering is real, and it does hurt. And it may even cause death. But for the follower of Christ, there is a limit to what the evil one can do. Because the limitless one has paved the way for me and you. And so I want to repaint that suffering for you in a very biblical way. The secret to suffering is seeing suffering through trusting His supremacy that the end, that He knows it, that He's he's been there, done that, that He is in the fire, that He is holding back the waters for you personally, just as He did for this church. And so tonight, the point if you will, to ponder is this. What is God trying to get you to see through your suffering? What is God trying to get you to see through your suffering? Are you really trusting His supremacy that He is the first and the last, the one who died and came to life again? Are you trusting that? And the point to practice, we're actually going to practice. One of the best ways to see suffering through The trusting of His supremacy is for to take whatever you are suffering from to Him in prayer. The main way we communicate with God. So we're going to do this tonight. And then tomorrow we're going to ask you to do the same for others. But tonight we're going to pray. And as we pray... I'm going to mention some topics that some of us in this room may be suffering from. And we want to be the church. We want to be the people of God. And so when I mention something that you're suffering from, if you would like to receive prayer for that, let us be the church. We're going to rally around you and pray for you. So Casey, that's weird. I don't know. You guess what? You don't need to know us cuz we know the heavenly Father, and we're just trying to pray for you, brother and sister. We're just trying to take you to Jesus on your behalf. We're just trying to let the one that is the first and the last be the first and the last saying authority on your life. That's what we're invoking here tonight, is the presence of God over his people for his purpose, for his will for forever. And so the likelihood that no one in this room is suffering out of the many that are here tonight, That's crazy. And guess what? By the sheer testimony that when I mentioned some of the things that we might be suffering from, that you would stand and she would stand and he would stand, that is the community of God saying, you know what, what's going on in your life is similar to what's going on in my life. And the one that holds the keys, the one that is victorious, the one that is supreme has authority over all of it, your life, my life, their life. And we should receive a lot of encouragement from that this evening. Amen? Look, I know it's the third, fourth week of school and you realize, you know what? I got this stuff called tests. I'm going to have to actually start going to sleep. And that's crazy because I've been partying like it's 1999, which you've never done because you probably weren't even born. about you but I could really use some encouragement this evening and so let's pray for each other undergird each other the prayer of his people for his people with the authority and the power of the first and the last the one who was and is and is to come and let's seek suffering in a whole different light, okay? And so tonight, if you are suffering from just physical difficulty, I don't know what that may be. It may be a disease. It may be you got some bad doctor news. It may be that, you know what, you got something that just don't feel real good. I want you to stand. We're going to rally around you. We're going to pray for you. And so if you're around someone that is standing, as many have stood here already, rally around them, pray for them, put your hand upon them, and pray that whatever affliction may befall them, whatever is hurting them, whatever suffering they're going through, that God in His power and His authority would reign supreme over that. You're physically suffering this evening. Amen. Many Christians praying this evening. Amen. Praise God. God, we pray over those that are suffering from physical difficulties. Lord, as we have laid hands upon this this evening, Lord, we know that we do not have the healing touch, but that you do and that you know what's going on. Lord, that you can heal them, that you can bring doctors around them, nurses around them. Lord, that you give us tools, Lord, that you give us blessing. Lord, that you can heal us from all suffering so we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you and praise your name. We pray these things. Amen. How about tonight? Maybe you're suffering from relational difficulty. Maybe it's a family member that you know what, you're like, I don't know that this family relationship is going to last for very much longer. Maybe it's mom and dad, sister and brother. Maybe it's sister and mom or sister and dad or brother and dad or it's grandma and mom or whatever it is. And you've got relational difficulties. I mean, your family is tore up from the floor up. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's like my family tree is so crooked, goes so many different directions. I don't even know right now. I need prayer for my family. I need prayer for a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, friend of a friend, sister of a friend. You got friends and you got problems. Man, stand up. Let us begin to pray for you. Maybe you've got relational problems with a church. Maybe the body of Christ has harmed you in some way because they don't preach the truth or, or something else is going on in that church. And you're like, you know what? Relationally, I ache for my church. Man, let us pray for you this evening. Many people standing, many people pray. Praise God. Pray for that healing. Pray for that relationship to be restored. For God to work His supernatural work. God, we pray for the relationships that are in peril this evening. Lord, we pray that your sustaining power and that your authority would have supremacy. Lord, that people would see this relationship and know that, Lord, you don't ask for us to be divided, but ask for us to be in community with each other. And so, Lord, whether it's a family or a loved one or a friend, Lord, that these relationships be restored and renewed for your testimony to the power of your goodness and your graciousness. And so, Lord, do this miracle work. Heal these relationships as only you can. Heal these families. Heal these friendships. Lord, sustain us in this time of suffering. In Jesus' name, amen. There are many others that we could mention tonight, many other areas where people are definitely suffering, but the one that we must mention tonight before we close out is simply this. I'm suffering in my relationship with God. I don't know what it is, but it ain't right. It ain't what it should be or could be. And I'm asking for prayer because I know that it is the prayer of God's people that can help the healing process. Would you stand tonight and say, you know what, not where I need to be, but God is where he has always been, amen? And he hadn't given up on me yet because he's never going to. Would you stand let us pray for you? Man, I don't know about you, but I'd be running to these people. And I would cry out on their behalf for God Almighty say, you know what? The physical suffering may be for a short period of time. We've gotten that. And you know what? The relationship may never be perfect this side of heaven, but this relationship has to be what God intended it to be for here and for all time. And so that you would pray for this brother or sister in this miraculous way that their relationship with God would be reunited, rekindled, restored to what He wants it to be. is a powerful thing. So pray as such. Pray as though there may not be a tomorrow. Pray as though you're in prison for your faith. Lord God, we don't know what is the barrier between you and the person that is struggling spiritually, Lord. We don't know what that may be. We don't know if it's unconfessed sin or if it's just relational strife or or whatever that might be, Lord. But we know you know it. And so, Lord, we ask you to work all the way through it, Lord, that your word would pierce all the way down to the marrow. Lord, that they would be convicted, Lord, of your goodness, your graciousness, your godliness and that you would restore a righteous right relationship with you Lord that whatever is going on even if it's unaudible if it's an unspeakable Lord where we just don't have the words Lord we know that your spirit will intercede for us Lord and that will that spirit will take whatever is wrong and take it to you so that you can make it right and so Lord hear our prayers this evening Lord, turn our suffering to singing as only you can. Help us see and trust in your supremacy this evening as the first and the last, the one who was and is and is to come, the victorious one, that we would not be fearful and that we would be forever faithful. In Jesus' name. Amen. And so, tomorrow, what is your task? This point to practice is we have prayed for so many tonight. Can we not pray for people tomorrow? Is that too difficult for us in this room? Your point to practice, very, very simple. Pray for someone tomorrow. Pray for someone that you don't know. Talk to them and ask them, how can I pray for you? Maybe it's your your lab partner. Right after lab. Right after y'all split the atom. Just right after that. There'll be a lot of light. A little noise, just be like, hey, man, how can I pray for you? Be like, pray that we make it through this. I think we just made an A-bomb. I don't know what you'll do in your physics and chemistry classes. I don't want to know. Okay? Maybe you're in your biology lab, and you just got some of the stuff that was in that little dish in your eye. And you're like, man, can I, I can't see you, but I would love to pray for you. Man, just ask. And invoke the power and the might of the one who was and is and is to come, the first and the last, the firstborn among the dead, the supreme one, the victorious one, invoke his power and his authority on their life. And if they yell at you, can't pray for me. I don't want your prayers. According to this, that's persecution. The crown of life. Doubt that'll happen. But if it does, wear it proudly and pray for him anyway. pray for someone tomorrow that you haven't ever prayed for. If you say, well, I know everybody, you're a liar. Find that one person at Tech. Ask God to show them to you. They may be your future brother or sister in Christ. They may be people that are in poverty, they're in peril, that are being pressured, that just need I'm going to pray for you. We have a few announcements. Thank you for being here this evening. Lord God, we ask that you help us. Lord, with your unending strength, with your unending power, Lord, that you would help us to be people that would tell the secret of suffering. Lord, that we would share with so many your supremacy by trusting you, Lord, that you are who you say you are and that we would see suffering as something radically different. That our suffering would be turned to singing by your power and your might. In Jesus' name, amen.